Chapter twenty two of France and Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Antwerp and Brussels. At Antwerp, I am in the chief gateway of the center of industrial Europe. This port has more commerce than ever before and is today one of the leaders of the world, being in constant rivalry with Hamburg. She outranks London and now with more than thirteen million tonnage of shipping using her harbor she has even exceeded the port of new york she not only has the bulk of the commerce of belgium but is an important transfer station for western germany switzerland and france as well as a national trading center come down to the port and stand beside me on the wide concrete promenade that hangs over the scheldt and see what god did for antwerp we are at a level with the smokestacks of huge ocean liners loading and unloading goods above warehouses and railways in sight of hundreds of electric and hydraulic cranes and near barge elevators which are sucking grain out of the ships by the thousands of bushels per hour the vessels extend on for miles and looking upstream we can see a very thicket of smokestacks the river before us is only about as wide as the potomac at washington but it is from twenty-five to fifty feet deep and at high tide often nineteen feet deeper it is so wide and so deep in the fifty-four miles of its winding to the north sea that the biggest of the ocean greyhounds can come right up to our feet and land their freight on the quays extending the miles above and below us now stop and think where we are we are opposite the mouth of the thames the gateway to london we are just above the end of the english channel on the direct route to new york and within a short distance of rotterdam bremen and hamburg where ships may stop on their way to the baltic that great inland sea of north europe steamers can go from here south through the english channel tapping its industrial wealth on each side and moving on to gibraltar enter the mediterranean and have all southern europe and northern africa of easy access they can go on to the suez canal and down through the red sea to the indian ocean and take in the great trade of south and east asia those japanese vessels we see moving out of the harbor are on their way there or the ships can steam down the east and west coasts of africa calling at the trade centers including boma at the mouth of the congo whence the two large vessels at our left have just come there are also regular lines from antwerp to rio de janeiro and buenos aires a steamer with a cargo of frozen meat is now coming in from the argentine port there are many ships from the united states in the harbor and the familiar red white and blue at their mastheads is a delight to our eyes from where we stand it is just three thousand three hundred and twenty five miles to new york and that big tramp from new orleans has come only fifteen hundred miles farther the vessel loaded with lumber nearby is from san francisco it came south on the pacific through the panama canal and thence across the atlantic making a voyage of more than eight thousand miles but quite as important as these many sea routes are the canals rivers and railways over which streams of raw materials are continually flowing from all nations through antwerp and into these workshops of western europe these in turn send back over the waterways manufactured products for england north america south america and asia belgium has enough interior waterways connected with her ports 
to make a continuous stream around the world at the equator its canals alone if joined end to end would reach from philadelphia to the mississippi river and some of the enormous barges below us now taking on cotton grain and other produce will travel inland by water to the rhine and by a canal to the danube and on that stream past port after port almost to the black sea there are canals from the scheldt and other rivers into france so that goods can be carried to tournai lille and paris and there is now talk of a complete inland waterway system from antwerp to marseilles the plan is to make it wide and deep enough to permit the passage of boats of ten thousand tons and fourteen feet draft a part of this system is provided for in the peace treaty of versailles it includes the making of a canal from antwerp to the rhine the deepening of the rhine from cologne to strasbourg and the reconstruction of old french waterways from there to the mediterranean the antwerp rhine canal awaits only money to start its construction there is talk also of a big ship canal from antwerp to the north sea to avoid the necessity of using the scheldt whose passage through holland is the cause of some friction between the dutch and the belgians in addition to these canals antwerp has railways that connect her with all parts of central and western europe she has three lines to germany and several to france one of which goes via alsace lorraine to switzerland and italy by the st goddard tunnel passengers are carried from switzerland to milan and on down to brindisi at the heel of the italian boot where begins the short water route to asia and the far east milan is more convenient of access to antwerp than to any other great port of europe do you wonder that a city so situated has become a centre of trade the people here say its original discoverer was antigonus a giant twice as tall as goliath who as i figure it was just short of ten feet antigonus selected this spot to prey on the traders whose ships passed in and out cutting off the right hands of his victims and throwing them into the scheldt from this came hand and verpen to throw the two forming antwerpen the flemish name for antwerp the coat of arms of the city still has two hands upon it whatever may be the truth about the giant we know that antwerp was a rich commercial centre when all america belonged to the indians in the middle ages it is recorded that five hundred wagons passed in and out of it daily carrying goods and that five hundred ships sailed up the scheldt every twenty-four hours while twenty-five hundred might be seen there at anchor at the same time later antwerp surpassed venice and genoa holding fairs that attracted merchants from europe and asia about seventy-five years after john cabot had discovered north america among the city's annual imports were three million dollars worth of grain from the baltic and goods from england worth several times that amount they included also more than four million dollars worth of spices and sugar and twice as much in silk and gold embroideries from italy antwerp then had a thousand foreign firms doing business inside her walls among them the fuggers of augsburg who were the rockefellers of that time and one of whom left a fortune equal to about five million dollars then an almost inconceivable sum such were the conditions when the spaniards under the duke of alva the hangman of philip the second tried to rule the land they ruined the country 
and within less than a generation its population dropped more than fifty percent in seventeen ninety antwerp had only forty thousand souls later napoleon saw the commercial and strategic possibilities of the port and selected it as the water gateway of his future ambitions he built docks at a cost of something like ten million dollars and the city was rapidly regaining its place as the commercial capital of northern europe when her progress was stopped by the revolutions that followed his death a generation or so later when belgium separated from holland antwerp again pulled on her seven league boots and she is now bigger than ever she has today more than four hundred thousand people and with such harbor improvements and such natural advantages she will inevitably continue her growth but we have our motor car waiting for us at the foot of the promenade with a former soldier as a chauffeur and guide for two hours he drives us through the streets and paved roadways that wind about through the shipping and great basins on the banks of the river until we are miles above the promenade from where we started we are now on the opposite side of the scheldt where it is planned to build new docks and quays that will double the capacity of the port we drive past acres of warehouses by mountains of barrels of oil in and out among long-armed cranes and by yard after yard filled with freight of every description the river has already more than eighteen miles of anchorages forty or fifty feet deep at high tide and when the present plans are completed it will have more than forty miles with fifteen hundred acres of docks and forty two thousand acres of railway sidings and warehouses it will then be able to handle forty million tons of freight every year we pass railway stations and yards covering about five hundred acres in which twelve thousand cars can be accommodated we stop now and then to see floating cranes and enormous pneumatic grain elevators each of which handles five thousand bushels of wheat in one hour or eighty-three bushels a minute antwerp has twelve of these grain elevators and steamers of eight thousand tons are unloaded within the space of two days the port has three hundred and ten hydraulic cranes handling up to two tons eighty electric cranes each of two tons capacity and larger cranes that will pick up forty tons at a load it has some one hundred and twenty ton shear legs a coal tipple that will lift a car to the height of a five-story house and pipes and tanks for loading petroleum there are a half dozen dry docks here and a new one has just been completed in each a great steamer is being repaired we end our ride at the zoo which is again filled with animals brought in from the congo and other parts of the world when it was bombarded during the war almost all of the wild beasts were killed one reason for this slaughter was to increase the meat supply of the city and another the fear that the shells might break the enclosure of the elephants and allow them to roam through the streets the antwerp of today shows no signs of the war the germans entered the city october ninth nineteen fourteen and it was on november nineteenth nineteen eighteen that king albert and the queen came back during the four years of their stay the germans levied a monthly war tax of about twelve million dollars or four hundred thousand dollars per day a motor ride of less than an hour will take us from antwerp to brussels the financial center of the country and the seat of the king and the government brussels is not among the largest of the capitals of europe but it surpasses most in gaiety beauty and art 
it is bigger than washington and with its suburbs equals boston in size it has many fine parks including the forest of Swanies of ten thousand acres through which one rides on his way to the site of the battle of waterloo and the bois de la combre reached by an avenue as wide as commonwealth avenue in boston and more than a mile and a half long the street is lined with sumptuous mansions for brussels is a city of magnificent homes the town is divided into two sections one of which is high above the other it is in the upper part that the king's palace and the government buildings are situated and here too most of the foreigners live i like brussels the fine old buildings of the lower town many of them decorated with carvings are a delight to the eye and the great palais de justice in the upper compares with our capital as one of the finest of national structures it is much like the capital almost as large and far more ornate its cost was over ten millions of dollars if i remember correctly the capital at washington cost thirteen millions not far away are other public buildings including the famous art gallery and national palace i like the statues of brussels their name is legion and they are all sizes from giants in marble to a little green bronze naked boy about as long as my arm known as the mannequin fountain the little fellow is one of the greatest of attractions to tourists who are daily taken in parties to see him he is loved by the people who call him the oldest citizen of brussels from the fact that he was erected in sixteen nineteen i like the lace shops of brussels the city is a lace centre of the world and one can buy most beautiful creations in linen thread from the size of the butterflies which the ladies now wear on their heads their shoulders or somewhere else on their dresses to the fine wedding gowns that cost almost a king's ransom i like the patriotism of the belgians they are proud of their country and show this in the flagstaffs which on holidays fly the national colors from every second story not only in the capital but throughout the country this patriotism was the one thing the germans could not destroy a notable instance of this occurred in nineteen sixteen on what might be called the belgians fourth of july which they were forbidden to celebrate as a holiday the germans ordered business as usual and that all the shops be kept open this ordinance was observed in the letter but not in the spirit the shops were open but the windows were empty except where cartoons or other things ridiculing the invaders were displayed there were crowds on the streets all dressed in green the color of hope the men wore green ties and flirted green handkerchiefs they had knots of green ribbon in their buttonholes and green bands round their hats many of the women came out in green gowns and some wore green hats and carried green parasols the people came by thousands to the cathedral where cardinal mercier preached a sermon denouncing the germans and this was followed by the singing of the national anthem to the accompaniment of the great organ the german officials could hardly contain themselves and retaliated next day by fining brussels one million marks which at that time represented a value of almost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars End of chapter 22